Now it's my pleasure to introduce and our great schuss to have with us returning once again our kavod Rav Yosef Weiner Shlita. Always a nachas to be back to see everybody again. I apologize, I missed last Memorial Day, but it was shvuz. So it wasn't my fault. Shkayach again to Rav Mordechai for always being Mason Nefesh, never missing a day, never missing an opportunity to have the keiches for many, many years to come. I'm looking at the title that uh, I gave him a few months back. A closer look at measuring success. Uh, this is a huge topic, which we're going to maybe put a small dent in over the next hour or so. As measuring success in the physical world is very difficult for us because as physical people, we're looking at it with human eyes. And we sometimes forget that a Baruch Hu might have different cheshbenes in Shemayim and what success is and how to measure it. Fortunately, nothing's a coincidence, we have two primary examples in this week's parsha and last week's parsha, which we'll begin with. In last week's parsha, I'm sure you've noticed, this is a Chaim, draws this very fascinating contrast. When Eliezer goes to look for a shidduch, for Yitzhak Avinu, so everything goes right. Whatever could go right, went right. He left, got there a minute later, starts davening as he's davening. The young lady he's looking for comes along, answers all the right questions, exactly as they should be answered. Doesn't ask any questions like, why am I schlepping water back and forth and you're not lifting a finger to help me? And why do you have ten helpers and they're not doing anything? Doesn't ask all the kashas we would have been bogged down with. Goes to Basul's house. Basul has a havmina raising an objection, like by poisoning his guest. And Hashem gets rid of him. Everything is glott, like seamless. Within 24 hours, Eliezer is back with Rivke Menu. Couldn't go better. Contrast that with Yetzir Yaakov Be'ashava. Yaakovino has to run in fear for his life. Esav wants to kill him. You'll notice the only Kvitsa Derech over there is when he overshoots Harabayas and wants to go back. So he has Kvitsa Derech to go back to Davin there. After that, he walked to Haran. A lot of people forget that. Walked, no transportation, couldn't afford a mule. Had, I assume, a couple of jewels, maybe some credit cards to grab on the way out, and then Alifas showed up, and Alifas said, uh, my dear uncle, I have a little bit of a halachic issue. My father told me I have to come and kill you. You know, it's keep it up aim. It's a very important Indian. And um, on the other hand, it's not very nice. And um, that's uh, not for now, for a topic of a different shear. He meant that seriously. It, uh, a hint to the answer, it goes together with the brilliant psaac of Dama Benesina, not to wake his father up, and then when his father woke up and he said, Dad, you're so proud of me, I lost $100 million. Also doesn't make too much sense. So it's Lushikasam, but that's not for now. 
But the leaf has had a problem. So what do I do? So Yaakov Inu said, there's a lumdus on Ishchashuf Kameis. So take my money. It's like you and Makai Mitzvah Kibbin of Aim. You don't have to kill me. So whatever small amount of pocket change you had when he left the house, that was gone now also. Penniless. No transportation. He's walking. His parents can't help him. Utterly alone. And no Derech finally gets there and um, nothing goes right for six years, then another 14 years. And Allah Devrahu. Why is it for Eliezer, Ebed Avram, everything goes smoothly? And for Yaakov Inu, nothing seems to go right. So you're all familiar with the fact that Yaakov Inu is the Av that represents the Yid Nagalus. And as this is Chaim develops, the importance of Yaakov Inu, who intellectually was a tremendous Baal B'tachon already, but when you go through the actual Nisayan and you have to draw upon the entire Ashkafa Sachayim, that Akash Baruch Hu is there, and Hashem put you in a spot where nobody can help you, I can't help myself, and my parents can't help me, and I'm utterly alone. 15 Shira Amals were authored, by the way, by Yaakov Inu, not by David Amal. And if you know that, you look back and you look at Vayetse and Vayishlach, and everything's going to happen in the next few parshas. So it reads very, very clearly. Yaakovino understood he was alone, and for a person who's supposed to be building clays on, nothing seems to be working. So, if you don't have the schus of reading the parsha slowly, and you don't understand the reason these obstacles were thrown is so Yaakovino can lamaisa put into practice his bitachon as a muna to put in the genetic code of Klai Yisrael. So when they are in the long and bitter gullus, they're able to draw upon this Mida and survive as well. So if you don't understand all that, you kind of wonder, well, I'm trying to work on things, I'm trying to do the right thing. It must be I'm not very successful in what I'm doing, but look at all these roadblocks, look at all these obstacles, look at all these things that are staring me. And although this topic is certainly tied in with Tzadik Varala, Rosh Hashanah, the first lesson, the main lesson you have to learn from all these parishes is that if it happened to Yaakov Inu, and he had more schusim than anybody were ever going to learn about, you have to expect that if you want to accomplish Hashem, as a chesed, will throw roadblocks in order to be able to test us, to be able to see our amuna and bitochen lamaisa, and to be able, most importantly, which we'll get back to later, to give us a schar for the amelus and trying, regardless of the results. I'm often asked the question in, in Tzilu, Again, this is a, uh, a whole separate schmooze, but it's the same, it's the same sugya, bottom line. People have been davening, things for, davening for things for many years, sometimes decades. And um, I've been asked by people who think about what they're doing. Is I'm davening, and I put in Shmon Esra, and Shmakaleinu, and I say Tehillim. And it's been months, years, decades, and the answer thus far has not been yes. So should I stop davening? Should I stop asking for it? Maybe the message is that it's not for me. So the answer has to be uh, processed very carefully. You can daven as long as you want. You can continue davening, and perhaps you should. It's not a chiv to continue davening. Sometimes you daven for a particular thing for many years. It's not going. You don't have to continue. However, if Chana would have, after 17 years or 18 years or 25 years, stopped davening, we'd be missing Shmuel Anavi. And there are a host of examples like this in Tanakh. So 
You want a heter to stop davening, you want to focus on something else, that's fine. There's no, there's no, there's no chiv over here. But how do you know what the cheshpin is? And how do you know that the Baruch Hu is just counting the tefillahs and that's giving you the schusim for the other arenas in which you operate and which you're masliachin? You're waiting for this, you think it's part of your tachas maybe it is and it's coming in five years or in five minutes. If you stop now, it's a pity. Maybe it's not coming at all, but Hashem is mesavah, litzvilos, and shal tzadikim. So again, the difficulty and the roadblocks is not necessarily a raya to success or lack thereof. You move to this week's parsha, an astounding statement. Look at it the first time, it's got to be the biggest klotzkasha ever asked in Chumash by a personality who's supposed to be intelligent. His name is Esav. Esav comes first to kill Yaakov, finally shows up. Yaakov Inu is there with his family and everybody's lined up. Just Erech Agav, they all ask the kasha. The plan the night before was to split up the machan in case one is hit, the other one will run. Esav shows up and they're all there. What changed in between? Not for now, but something to think about. Lamaisa, when Esav showed up, Everybody was lined up in their Shabbos finery, each one of the Imos with their children. And Esav starts looking at the crowd. And he comes up to Yaakov, runs over, gives him a hug, gives him a kiss, bid him, try to bite him, whichever shot you take. And then he poses the following very intriguing question. Mi Elulah. By the way, who are all these people? Kind of ridiculous Dumb question is that. Who are these people? I don't know, these are just extras that I hired just for the scene. It was a good, you know. Uh, who do you think they are? Got the, got women, little kids, like, like what? These are people who came and wanted to get killed also. Like what? Kind of ridiculous. There's a Pashat Nechumash over here. What's look? So the question wasn't who are they? Esav wasn't born yesterday, and he kind of figured out based on association. Mielalach is the question that we're dealing with in today's topic. Esav came with a grace of Taina. He said, we had a deal already before we were born that I'm taking Elam Hazeh and you're going to get Elam Haba. Then I sort of try to finagle out of the deal like I finagle out of every deal and I maybe wanted the Bukhara also, which is Elam Haba, and you reminded me over a bowl of chont that that's not happening, and you forced me to admit and sell it to you. And then I try to finagle out again, and I try to steal the brachas, and you were quick enough, and you stole them from me, allegedly. Okay, so I get all that. I try to finagle, didn't work. Go back to the original deal. The original deal is that I get Olamazeh, and you get Olamabah. If that's true, then why is it that after all these years I show up, and here we come, we're standing in Elam and I finally meet you, and I meet your beautiful family, and you have wonderful wives and beautiful children, and all the trappings. You have sign, Bucker, you sent me a gift worth $500,000, and that wasn't all your money. So you have money, and Meshbacha, and Kindelacha growing up. I think somebody got ripped off over here. This looks like Elam to me. So, me, Elalach, is where do you come off? You tell me uh, you're getting Elam Abbas, I have Elam now I come and you have Elam and you're still getting Elam Where did I go? 
That's a strong kasha already. That's no longer a klutz kasha. Mi'e lelach is, what kind of chutzpah is this? Seems to me you have elam hazeh and elam Of course, you look at the answer. The family of Shachanan li Elohim. This is not here for Gashmias, for Elam for playing with the Kindleloch. There's nothing wrong with that as they grow up. This is a Shachanan li Elohim. And he tried to explain to him in a couple of short sentences that you see a tzaddik who doesn't have a wonderful family and doesn't have Parnassah, that doesn't mean he's not a tzaddik. But if you see somebody who has, you're measuring success in Elam but he's using it kuloi l'shem shamayim, and everything, all the kalim are here for Torah mitzvahs, for building Klai Yisrael, that it's not a steer, it's not a contradiction. And that was a lot for Esav to handle, because then he realized that had he been focusing on his Elam and his Ruchnius, he could have possibly had many aspects of Elam as well. And anybody, any Bentera, any from person knows life has challenges and it can be very difficult. At the end of the day, if you're running a lot after Gashmias, you don't have Olamazah either. The Graz Lushan, it's like drinking salt water, and the more you drink, the more thirsty you are, and it goes and goes and goes, and you're never satisfied. But if everything is here, the Mana, the Masayim, everything is Kula, Muktash Lashem then that's Alam Habban, Alam Habban, Esav started realizing that he made a big mistake. You look at other people, it's a human fault that we can't get out of. Everybody's always measuring. You meet somebody, you have neighbors, you have friends, you look at their families, you look at their marriages, you look at the marriage if you're not married yet, you try to figure out how do I get there, which is a good kin of Seferim. And everybody's always trying to measure success in America. Usually that's in terms of dollars and cents, value of portfolio, balance of stocks, bonds, and real estate. We have our ways, even in the firm community. If you're human, you look at what meets the eye. And a uh, common issue, one manifestation of this, that comes up in marriages. And some Sefer has a chuva in Yeridea. I'll just, just share with you one line. The tshuva, not for now, is about trying to assess what the shibud of the husband to the wife, the wife to the husband, which is, there's a body of halachas about this, and then it's uh, specific to each case and what the expectations were when they got married. And Baruch Hashem, I'm happy to report to you a common source of friction in a marriage. That's not the part I'm happy to report. Uh, the... Happy to report where this is coming from. Common source of friction in marriage is when you have two people, husband and a wife, who are from and are growing. But if they're not growing, then they're not from. They might think they're from. And in life, as we all know, it's very rare for two people to grow at the same exact pace. So as people get older, the older you get, the more you realize Elamazeh is really not very valuable and you better start putting stuff in the bank for Elamazeh. So as the marriage and life continues, so on occasion she will grow quicker and further. On occasion he will. And then there's all sorts of shaylas like, again, the, the women who are listening, the Nashim Sutkanias, this is not just giving examples, I'm facing the men, but it goes in both directions. 
I will get calls, and the good news is they're calling. This is really, people should realize this is not a shalom bias issue. It becomes a shalom bias issue. It's a shayla, a piyolocha. You have shibudim, you have chiyuvim. What is the chiyuv and what is the understanding? I've had uh, women and men call me and they say um, some sort of issue over here because he used to go out with me a lot more often and we used to go here, there, and everywhere. And uh, now whenever I want to go somewhere, he wants to go to a shir. Okay, so the good news is he wants to go to a shir. What has to be weighed and balanced very carefully is you're still married and there's a chiv to spend time. The question is when, how, what venue... Often it's very easy, the first uh, seven or eight places they say they used to go, I say the first six were us or anyway, so don't worry about it. <laughs> so that makes it. So now it's a question, do you want to go eat at, uh, uh, I forgot what the names of the restaurants are here, because you still got plenty of them here. Uh, and it's basically parv, or fleshiks, but it's parv in terms of isabaheter, and the question of missing the shia, missing the chavusa. So first thing I tell the lady is, you should be very thankful your husband's growing, and I'm sure it's due to your good hashbam. And to come with serious tainas, what happened, what happened, and uh, all of a sudden he went uh, way off to the right, and I'm just in the middle. And there's all sorts of accusations, hard to figure, left, right, centers. The one's claiming he went to the right, the other one says he went to the left, the other says I'm still here, and I was always here before. All that's irrelevant. They're supposed to be growing. And the Chassam Sefer says, I'll read to you one line, Stam B'nai your average from Beis Yaakov graduate, even if she didn't go to Beis Yaakov, but she's a from girl. Mish Shakekes Shubaleim Tamidah Chachamim. Their deep-seated desire, the strongest deep-seated desire is that their husbands should become Tamidah Chachamim. And if they have to be working between 9 and 5, it's irrelevant. Tamidah Chachamim means to put in as many hours as they can. Every Thanksgiving, every legal holiday, every Sunday, every night, every morning. And Sam Sefer says that her taina is limited. Doesn't, I can't say it's non-existent. The taina is limited when they say, well, the shebid when we got married was over here, and therefore you can't take more time, resources, whatever the case may be, from me because that's not the conditions which I married you. Sam Sefer says, halakhali, that's simply not true. The ex- expectation is to continue growing. And if you're not growing, you're in big trouble. And therefore, husband or wife, I've had this just as much from the husbands. Husband uh, complained to me uh, recently. He said, I, I can afford it, and I'm planning this big vacation. And my wife told me that she only wants to go for two days instead of two weeks because I can be learning instead. So, okay, the issue of the wife becoming the mashkiach. Uh, so I, I told her that, and I said, uh, I said, let me handle that. I can be the mashkiach. I'm his rov. Uh, so I can, uh, I can tell him that your wife is 100% right and you dive into the well and Baruch Hashem, you married the right person. So I've had this in many colors and forms and in both directions. The point of the Chassam Sefer is, is that this is not a mechotos, this is expected growth. And if it's not there, you should be having tainus. And the problem is, again, we're living in Olamaze, and uh, Baruch Hashem, I've had this uh, more often than the Shaila was ever asked in Europe. I'm sure 100 years ago when people were carrying water and making free kopecks and paying for the pumpernickel bread, uh, this shaila didn't come up. But the shaila is, I made a lot of money, I'd like to cut back, I don't need this much money, and we don't need this much money, and I'd like to learn in the morning till 2 before I go to the office. Or I'd like to stop learning. Or I'd like to cut back my hours. I'd like to drop my second, third, and fourth job. Because it's not necessary. So again, uh, the Nashim Sutkaniyas, I'm just giving this example, I've seen... Both directions, 
that's exactly the tachlis of the money he made. And if he could do with less, then he should do with less. You could say, well, why should we do with less? We're used to taking a few vacations a year, and that second bungalow, uh, seven-bedroom bungalow, is necessary, and the, um, the costs are high. He said, well, I want to drop it. We don't need it. So she or he are looking at the neighbors and say, well, they have all that, and he seems to catch a shear at least once every eight months. What's the problem? And they're measuring success. The question is... Uh, What's the measuring stick? These are, I realize I'm saying a lot and getting myself in big trouble. These, these are real trailers. And the first resistance is going to be from a spouse who's not used to this. The kids don't have a time. I've heard kids with titles also. I had one teenager tell me, I don't understand why my father's so cheap. I said, I know your father is not cheap at all. He's a big ball stalker. He says, yeah, that's what I say. He's a big ball stalker to everybody else, but he never gives me any money. I happen to know that's not true. The kids are doing very well. The kid means money that he wants to go at 17 years old. He wants to go on vacations. And he's a, he said, I haven't been on a plane in a month. <laughs> this is America. This is like, uh, and he means a transatlantic flight. He doesn't mean going to uh, Boston. So his complaint is that the father's not, father, he, he started to realize the father has a lot more money than he ever let on. And I tried to explain to the kid that the reason for this probably is he didn't want kids like you to be spoiled rotten. And if he has any money, it's all for Avodah Sakaidesh. If he has extra money, he should be giving it to me, Machzak Teira. And then the kid tells me, yeah, I'm all for Avodah Teira, but first make sure my allowance is increased tenfold, and then we'll take care of it. So the kid's already spoiled, but uh, I, I think that um, it would have been a lot worse. These issues, again, Baruch Hashem, we have these issues. A hundred years ago, nobody made ends meet, so it wasn't no gay. Today, it's a very serious issue. And for your spouse, for your children, for your friends, keeping up with the Joneses is going to have a direct effect on the amount of learning you're doing, the amount of stuff that you're giving. And the Yitzhahara always gives us this perception that, well, they seem to be successful, they're from, they're giving stock on, they're doing all these things anyway, so why don't you just emulate them? And you have to check your instruments to calibrate them on measuring success properly. A good example, I'm very happy somebody forwarded this to me. Uh, one of the more recent successes, the last couple of years, in the Geishevelt, a guy made a couple of billion dollars overnight. Um, his name is Marcus Person. Do you know who he is? I hope not. Marcus uh, is, was the uh, CEO and the creator of Minecraft. Minecraft is a gewaltical way to waste your life. In case you're looking for, um, it's, um, I have to research this, I never heard of the thing. But it's a, it's a, it's a video um, internet game that sold uh, gazillions of copies, and you go on there and you interact with people around the globe building imaginary cities with imaginary houses and imaginary people, and then you got imaginary guns, and you can kill people and shoot people and, and build and destroy and bomb. It's Cavaldi. Mom, it's great for you. Meet this. And uh, the phenomenal uh, good use of time, and everything's all made up, and you can live in this imaginary. There are millions of people who spend hundreds and hundreds of hours. Uh, he finally sold the company, and uh, he made over a billion dollars, and his partners made a lot of money. No. You want to measure success. This is Mamish. A, uh, he's European, but it's a Silicon Valley success story. So uh, somebody forwarded to me a couple of comments, and uh, this is taken from real time uh, what he uh, was um, 
I guess, tweeting, I guess, uh, his, uh, his friends. And it's uh, such a musr. He, I guess, the whole Tachas Achayim of Marcus is now going to be Makuyim in his uh, Musavart. Everybody has a Tachas in the world, and we're going to use him to uh, try to find out what not to do in life. And he's realizing it. He happens to be very miserable right now, so he claims, due to the fact he made all this money. And let me read to you a couple of his, uh, his comments. Uh, the problem with getting everything is that you run out of reasons to keep trying. He made it already. He's in his uh, mid-30s, I think, something like that. And human interaction becomes impossible, which means he can't really have any friends anymore due to the imbalance. That's very sad. So you'll say, well, he's five and Zion mitzvahs, maybe he's keeping them, maybe he's not. A guy is a tachas in the world, and let him, you made a billion dollars, there's a lot you could do. There's still some hungry people. You can even, if you're a Democrat, save the whales in Alaska. Uh, you can do all sorts of good things with your money. But he's depressed, and he says so. Hanging out with a bunch of friends and partying with famous people, able to do whatever I want, I've never felt more isolated. And then he complains about the lack of Akaris Atoiv. When we sold the company, they sold it to Microsoft, I think. We sold the company, the biggest effort went into making sure the employees got taken care of, because often they're casualties when you sell a company. And he was very mocked that all his employees should be taken care of. And now, after I took care of him, take, took care of all of them, they all hate me. And he explains, not in the for our discussion, they all hate him because they held Ashkafically, he shouldn't have sold it to Microsoft, because Microsoft is big business, and you shouldn't have given it to big business. That's all, the whole litany of tainas. I took care of them. They're all making hundreds of thousands of dollars. They all hate him, and they keep sending him the, via email all sorts of chirufim and gedufim after he spent a year or two trying to make the transaction smooth. So at this point, we're going to get back to this. He came to the incorrect conclusion that one thing's for sure, I'm never, ever going to try to help anybody again. <laughs> so what you do with a billion dollars is you can help a lot of people. He's not doing that because he learned his lesson the hard way. This is, like, unbelievable. And that's what he says, the last quote, I would go and try to save the world, but that just exposes me to the same type of people that made me sell Minecraft in the first place. So he's finished, sitting on a billion dollars. Can't do anything with it because he says in other comments that all my friends are married and have jobs and are too busy for me. And the other ones are not too busy for me. There's this inequality, and I can't really deal with them, and who knows what they want from me. And LMI, I'll go find a project and save the starving kids in Diaphora. Can't do that either because nobody has a car as a toy. So that's it. Made a billion dollars. Certainly a chef from Brocha Min HaShamayim. Could do great things. And I hope he comes out of this depression because uh, he's having severe difficulty in measuring success. We're going to get back to some of the comments to see how a uh, from Ben Terra should be dealing with this. Let me first go to a very interesting drush of Saran. Part of the inaccuracy of our measurement of success is that even when we understand that there are some bumps in the road and we're willing to deal with that and try to increase our bitachon and our muna, when things do start moving, we're often very frustrated by the slow pace of the movement, which means, in plain English, whether you like it or not, we think it should be done tomorrow or the next day, and we can't understand why Kosh Baruch Hu is having this take months and years. 
which again is uh, not only a lack of bitachon on some level, it's a, it's a bit of a chutzpah, but we all think like that. We just we understand that Hashem's going to get this done. If he's going to get it done, why can't he get it done now? To show you how old this line of thinking is, the Chedusha Aran comes to answer a very important kasha, which I've had for years. If you look, coming up in a month or two, Golos Mitzrayim and then Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim, you look at the parshas of Shemais and forward, Moshe Rabbeinu comes with a message that uh, Hashem is taking us out. And Akash Baruch Hu tells Moshe Rabbeinu that don't worry, Moshe Rabbeinu was very concerned, and Akash Baruch Hu said, don't worry, they're going to believe you. Yet, when Moshe Rabbeinu came and he started dealing with Pyro, and he started telling him, I want to go out for three days, and then we're coming back, which many of us learned was true at the beginning, and when Pyro didn't cooperate, then they left for good. And people got very frustrated because work got harder, but that's not an excuse if they believe that Hashem taking them out. It's a short-term problem. What was the real issue? So Joshua Saran says, that the real issue was the fact that they had a Muna that a Baruch Hu can take them out, he had the Achilles, certainly, and that he will take them out. The problem they had with Meshach Rabbeinu's process is, if a Baruch Hu really sent you, why would he start asking you to deal with Pyro back and forth and back and forth, then it gets harder, and then you disappear, and it's going to take a year? Why would a Baruch Hu do that? Hashem has the Achilles to take us out in a minute. So he obviously would do that, and if he's not doing that, it must be Hashem didn't send you. That was the problem they had, going to the Drush Saran. The suffix over here was not that Hashem could do it, that Hashem will do it, is that Hashem obviously didn't start doing it because it's taking so long and it's so frustrating, it looks like it's going the other direction. And what's the answer? The answer is the fact that it's going and looks like it's going in the wrong direction, the fact that it's hard, the fact that it's slow, doesn't mean that it's not Min Hashemayim. And according to the Ram, this is one of the big sides of Yitzhiya Sisrayim and the cornerstone of Amunah should give us. Yitzhiya Sisrayim doesn't tell you that Hashem will take you out on your timetable. It tells you that Hashem will do it when you need it and when you're ready and when HaKadosh Baruch Hu deems it necessary. Not a minute earlier, not a minute later. If you ever wondered why Davar Melech out of all the G'dayli Elam and all the Tzadikim in Tanakh, why Dovid Melech was picked to be Melech Yisrael and why he was picked to be the great-great-great-grandfather of the Melech HaMashiach. What did David have that, can't say nobody else had, but what did David have in greater measure? What did he excel in? Which Midah? That he was chosen to run Klai Yisrael, L'deri-deris. I'd be as gold setting, but I'd be What was that midah? So, I think it's important to focus on two things, because this is important for anybody who's making decisions. Everybody here is a leader, for your family, for your shul, for your, for your friends, for your company, whatever you're doing. The lessons of Davon Melech are important if you're in a leadership position and you're making decisions, and everybody's making decisions for somebody. What was it? So David Melech, we know, you look at the Hillam, you look at Navi. David Melech had an extremely difficult life. We think of people with difficult lives when they reached adulthood, it got difficult. 
Davramelech, as you know, from various, very pelvic Madrashim, Davramelech was born, and his brothers had a committee meeting. They wanted to kill him. They thought he was a mamzer, a whole maisa, not for now. They, they didn't want him around, and they thought he had no right to live. Yishai stepped in, and he said, you know, I sort of agree with you. A little mud know what's going on over here, but you know what? Put him out the pasture. We'll just treat him as an avid, put him in the backyard, and he'll watch the sheep. And some of Hershim say, watching the sheep long term, lions show up, which they did, and bears show up, and normally get killed after a while. And we don't have to kill him, be a dime. Almost like a machiras, yes. So Mel from the get-go grew up in a doghouse, literally. And not only did he develop as Davra Melch, he used every available moment to contemplate and sing the Shrachim of Baruch Hu and write the Hillam and learn. This went on for 28 years. Shmuel and Avi showed up to anoint him. He was 28 years old. Can you imagine 28 years of mistreatment at the hands of your brothers? We see that when he became king, the last person you want as a ruler, a dictator, or a king is a person who suffered at the hands of others. Because the normal reaction is, okay, everybody who made me suffer is really going to get it, then everybody else is not going to be treated too nicely either. David Amal's godless is that he remained the onov, the accessible king for Psakalocha. Kamar Brocha says he was involved in everybody's shailas, which boggles the mind. He's running a country. And he's dealing with the Shailas, and everybody's walking in, and he's dealing with Shailas, and asking his Rebbe, and his Rebbe's telling him it's wrong, and he's going back and forth. The fact that he became Dover Melech, the Anna of the Baal Chesed, there was not a bone in his body that wanted Nakama, wanted revenge. The way we know that is, Eliyav, who was the oldest, was supposed to be king. And Shmuel Novi thought he'd be king when he walked in. And Hashem said, there's something wrong, and you couldn't see it, and Shmuel Novi couldn't see it. And the Gemara with Rashi tells us that he had a trait, a tiny trait, a tiny touch of anger. The anger didn't even happen then. The anger was going to happen lost the love of, not lost the love of the Mashiach, lost it meaning in a battle later on when he gets angry at David. Normally you don't get punished for something you didn't do yet. They're not getting punished. The fact that he had any trace of anger puzzled him already. So what does that tell us? It's a pillar. It tells us that David Melech, with all his abuse, and all the anger any regular person would have had, he was chosen to be king. There was nothing even beneath the surface with any trait of wanting to take Nakama or any tainas in anybody. He came to the conclusion, the whole thing is bizarre, the whole thing is very strange, may Hashem Dover. find the same thing by Yitzhak Tzadik. We find this when David Melech is being chased off the throne, Shimi ben Geri starts throwing stones, and he says the same thing, Hashem Amalek Halel. It's difficult to be king under these circumstances. Your son wants to kill you and being thrown off the throne. It's not my business. When Shmuel and Avi showed up, after he went through all the sons and they called David Melech in, they were all embarrassed and uncomfortable because uh, nobody even knew they, this child existed. And he walks in, and the oil starts overflowing, and Shmuel and Navi anoints him, Any student of Navi will know, from that point on, so you think after 28 years, he finally had the Yeshua. From that point on, as difficult as life was, it became 10 times as difficult. From that point on, Shoal would chase him all around the globe. He never slept in the same place twice. I could never sleep for more than a few minutes at a shop, because Shoal was always coming to kill him. 
What would a regular person do under these circumstances? Okay, uh, you hit some bumps a day or two. This went on for two years. I think after a week, we'd go back to find Shmulanov and say, Rebbe, I really appreciate the gesture. Can you have your oil back? This is not for me. What do we, I, I finally got uh, some clarity. I'm sitting uh, by the grass and the sheep are grazing. It's a sunny day, it's 65 degrees. I'm learning, I'm writing to Hillam. And all of a sudden, somebody shows up. I'm called from the backyard. I walk in, all of a sudden, a minute later, I'm king. And then I can't sleep in one place and somebody's trying to kill me. And Shaul Amelok got this close many, many times. So we would say, well, isn't this a riot brewer that I'm not the man for the job? So David Melech, instead of shirking his responsibility, said, I don't understand it. doesn't make a lot of sense. You would think if somebody's anointed to be king, he should get uh, a little cooperation from somebody instead of uh, getting almost executed a number of times. You would think. David Melech says, you don't have to think so much. Coach Baruch has a cheshven. I thought by getting anointed, I'm supposed to be king or king in training. Maybe Shaul will show me the ropes. Shaul almost showed him other ropes. Uh, he uh, I didn't understand like what this is the way it's supposed to be how do I how do I train for this job it's a good kasha David Amal says you know what it's a good kasha but the Kosh Baruch obviously has plans he didn't forget about me and I'll just keep dodging bullets until the time comes and the time came until Avshalom tried to kill him and Adonio tried his whole life ups and downs, and he accomplished a tremendous amount. This is why he became king, and this is the birth of the Melech Hashir. The Ramam the Perish Mishnayis in Sanhedrin says that one of the Yud Gimelani Mamans, if you don't know this, you don't believe this, you're not precarious. This is, this is very, very serious. You have to believe that the Mashiach is coming. You have to mechaka b'chal yam That's not enough. The Ramam spells out very clearly. You have to believe and understand that the Malchus is coming from David, and that's not enough has to come from David through Shlomo Melech. Why? Why through Shlomo? Why is that so important? He had many sons. It happened to go through Shlomo. Why is that important? It's the same idea. Even after all the tsaras David Melech had, you could say, well, those tsaras are brought from the outside. I had nothing to do with it. They came. See, God, Hashem is pulling the strings. Shlomo was the result of the Maisa Basheva. That's a whole different ball of wax. So David Melech at that point... And the people certainly thought that out of all the people to pick, Shlomo's the last person you want to pick. Just don't talk about it. We had enough, enough of a political issue beforehand. Why Shlomo? The answer is Shlomo represents that even if you fall in and you make a serious mistake, which people misunderstood and caused the Chil Hashem, if you do enough tshuva and you try to fix it, the result can still be good. That, I think, out of all the lessons is the most powerful lesson. So Ramam says it's not good enough to know it's coming from David because of his midah b'tachon and amunah. That's why he was picked as king, yes. That's why the Melch Mashiach is going to come. You have to know it's dafka through Shlomo. Shlomo is the symbol of somebody who did something very wrong and he's the result. And David Melch picked himself up eventually, went right there and goes down to history of David Melch and Shlomo is here to tell us that. That's why the Melch Mashiach has to come through him. So, what you see from all of this is that the results have very little to do with the effort, quite often, certainly short term. The fact that it's difficult and there's Amelis involved and you don't always see success is not our business and not our problem. We often understand the achrayas of helping others and as Marcus shared with us before, 
The rule of thumb in life is not to try once, get burnt, and then give up and sit by your computer screen depressed for the rest of your life. You should know going into it that the more you try to help somebody, the more it might backfire. People could have tainas. You try to do it in the nicest possible way, but sometimes you have to force an issue. And the fact that a person has short-term tainas, if you have a long-term plan and you ask Shailas and you know what you're doing is right, you have a chiv to help them. We do this with our children. Everybody understands that. The child's complaining and there's a tantrum and this and that. A good parent will know you've got to ignore this most of the time. And you've got to go right there and they have to grow up. What we don't realize is the level of achrayas we have, of arvus, of giving tochacha in the right way. I'll get to that in a moment. And the achrayas we have toward others, ke'ilu, they were our children, they were our brothers, they were our parents, to know that they're falling in and to watch that happen just because it's uncomfortable to say something. And sometimes more than uncomfortable, you push an agenda, and um, I'll say this very carefully, although I never say it carefully enough, uh, everybody here should be involved in getting somebody married off. And uh, any older single, no blame. A lot of life circumstances and a lot of difficult situations. But my experience is that at the end of the day, and this is true, taking a job, taking a spouse, not to equate the two, shows which one's harder, but they're both difficult. Jumping into something, a big decision. The derech teva doesn't mean there's anything wrong with anybody. Derech teva if a person hasn't jumped in and time is marching on, and it's years later, many years later, it gets much more difficult. And the few stories of nachas that I have, and I'm involved with a lot of different people, only happened when somebody, not literally, but somebody had a gun, and somebody forced the issue that, okay, there's eight reasons why you can't marry this person, ten reasons why you can't take this job. The alternative is remaining without a job or remaining without a spouse. So the marshal I like to give is on Erev Sukkis, you should start shopping for Abraminim beforehand because you want to select and the Amelis of going shopping. I was once standing on Ocean Parkway and Avenue M, standing right outside the shul. And the F train, is there still an F train there? Okay. I want to make sure. Sometimes things move. And uh, It was Erev Yontiv. I came to shul an hour, an hour and a half early, which I like to do to set up my uh, Marmachemis and the Shirem. I'm standing outside the shul. I see all the people coming off the F train, coming off from work. No taina. You don't get, not all jobs give off at Chatzos on Erev Yontiv. I recognize that. So they the ones in Manhattan. So I see a fellow coming off the train, and on Avenue M, there's still a few seichem, and now and now before you it's time to fold up the tables. Walks off the train, and he runs over, one of the guys says, wait, wait, before you fold up, he said, what do you want, sir? He said, I need a little bit of esrig. So he looks at his watch, and he said, uh, for which sukkahs? <laughs> so he said, uh, right now, an hour and a half, I gotta go and take a shower, you have anything left? So I remember that this kid was cute, he said, you want something that's not a lemon? So he said, I, I want something kosher. So he shrugs his shoulders. He said, okay, let me see. He goes back into his little, uh, little bag there, and he fishes out something. I was standing there. I went over to the guy afterwards. I said, you know, I know you work hard. And um, I understand you're coming up an hour and a half before Yantiv, and I know life is busy. It's a little bit risky to buy Louvre an hour and a half before Yantiv. 
So he tells me what I was afraid he'd tell me. He said, uh, Rav, you wouldn't believe how good the prices are now. I knew that was coming. There shows a great lack in Zrizus and understanding the panemius of going through the process of finding a chefzah shal mitzvah if you're grabbing the bottom of the barrel. However, however, if it is Arab Sukkis and somebody has a Luvanesu that work, check the batteries, everything's connected, it works. You have a chi of Daraisa. To get that Luvanesu, it can be it's the Arbaminim. Of course, you can borrow from somebody else's shul, but let's say you took the F train and didn't get off, and now you're on a desert island, last stop. This is Zemashiyesh, so you take it. The person's at a point in life where they have a chiv to either make a panosa, and Zemashiyesh, they have a chiv to take a spouse, and Zemashiyesh. I understand fully, and there's not a tain on anybody, and there's nothing wrong with any of these people. But there's a point now where you say, well, you had a list of 20 requirements, and if four will basically do the job, even though it's not as geshmak, there's a chiv of pruavu. I can't say that's the women, because they don't have a chiv, but there's a chiv not to be alone, just for the sanity of life and to be able to help fulfill the tachsachayim if you can. And it's very human and very understandable where after a long time, somebody's going to need a little push to make the jump. And people don't want to get involved. I'll take shiduchim for... It's a, it's a complicated business. Things go wrong, you don't feel geschmack. I've had many people tell me, I'm not getting involved. I once read a shit to somebody and they got a divorce afterwards. Okay, sounding like Marcus a little bit. You can't not get involved. We're not looking to push people to a marriage that's going to fail. I'll tell you the good news. I'm involved in a lot of shalom bias issues. I have never, ever met a couple where both spouses had wonderful, wonderful, wonderful midas and there wasn't anything wrong. Unfortunately, we have many divorces where something is very wrong. But everything is basically two normal people. Everything is right. There's no serious issue. They just can't get along well. So that boils down to good meters. And I try to be reassuring to the people that get married, and they're very nervous. I understand. They say, look, what if it doesn't work out? I said, the answer is, assuming I know everything about you I'm supposed to know, which is not a great assumption, but let's assume that's the case. And assuming you're going to find out there are any big things on the radar screen, the other direction, and I know you, you have wonderful this. so then the answer is, what if she doesn't? And I only find out about it afterwards. I said, that could be so damaging it can cause a divorce, but that's not a reason not to try to jump into something. I'm using this as an example. I happen to have a couple of uh, cases on my mind this week, so perhaps that's why I'm, I'm using it. But it's, it's a very common example, and the example is not as a taina on the singles. The example is on the other members of the community who don't want to get involved because they're afraid somebody's going to have a taina on them. And again, Marcus, Darko Bituma, uh, felt I tried once to make some employees happy. I have a billion dollars. I can help millions of people, I'm not doing it because somebody gave me a patch back and I'm not interested. That's not a very proper hashkafa, not a very Yiddish reaction. He's not a Yid. And it's a human reaction, and we have to make sure that if we got burnt even once, twice, or three times, it's still getting involved. The Tachacha is a case in point. I've never seen the Mishabura say the same exact thing in five lines three times anywhere in Mishaburah except for what I'm about to read to you. And whenever I talk about Tochacha, I hear the same three or four answers 
when I publicly advocate that you have one Rav in a shul and one Rosh Hashiva, and they can't possibly see everything that's going on, they can't give to Chacha to everybody, and you need, as friends and neighbors and fellow Mespalim and fellow dorm mates and Yeshiva mates, you need to get involved and be taking an Achrayas for your Chaverim. And it's uncomfortable, and nobody likes to do it, so therefore the mind plays tricks and they give a few different reasons why there's no Chiv to Chacha. It starts off in the Pasuk in Chumash, so first misconception is, well, they might not listen, and therefore there's no Chiv. Isn't there a Klaal, Mutav Shishagin, Valyum Ezidim? The answer is, yeah, there is a Klaal, Mutav Shishagin, Valyum Ezidim. The problem is, is that that Klaal only applies, and you know they're not amazed right now, that's answer number one. Answer number two, Mutav Shishogin is only when you're like 99.5% sure that you're not going to get anywhere. That's Baruch Hashem, usually not the case. I'm not saying the person will listen to you as you're speaking to them, but often they'll, you know, the defense mechanism, they won't agree now, but they'll think about it, it'll sit in their head, and then in a year from now, or a month from now, it might make a tremendous ration. The Mishabur is in Hilchah Zerv Yom Kippurim, where it talks about the Noshim Tzedkanias, who were Taka Tzedkanias, but they had, for some reason, a problem in the time of the Gemara, that instead of being Makabal Yom Kippurim early enough, the Sefer is Yom Kippurim, which is Dinda Eresa, probably because the women were also clearing off the table and, and fixing up the kitchen, which still goes on today. Uh, they had an issue, and they, they used to eat straight up to the Zman, which without clocks is interesting, because that's a little uh, nerve-wracking, but they didn't violate Yom Kippur, but the Sefer is Yom Kippurim was a problem. So the Gemara, it's reflected here in the Machaber, and Tafresh Chesev Beis, they don't know or they don't believe you that there's a mitzvah of Tosefes Yom Kippurim. You shouldn't make a macha, you shouldn't give the musr, you shouldn't give the chacha, because it's hard for them to listen. They're clearing off, they're getting ready, they want to go to Kol Nidre, and it's not going to work. So therefore, mutu shisha again, value mezidin. Okay. Ramah adds anything. People love this Ramah before you get to the Mishnah Burr. Chal Dover Asr Amin Mutav Shishagin Valyam Ezidin. Everybody quotes this and they say, I'm off the hook. Mishnah Burr says, Ema Machin, you don't have to be Machem. Dafka Biyadea Bavadai Shalo Yikablu Mamenu. There's only a hetter where you know 100% or 99% they're not going to listen. Of a Basafik Shem Yikablu Tsarach Limchas, Afilu Bamidi Durabonim. Then you have to say something. Mishnah Burr, a line later, repeats it. Kishabarlo Shalo Yikablanu. Pizza the third time a line later. Apparently the Chafetz Chaim was hearing the same things I was hearing. Everybody keeps saying it. No chivtei, mutu shishegin. Leimar gam came only when mutu shishegin, but baruloh shem yam alehem lo yikablu. Takes away the first excuse. The second excuse that I always hear is that, well, I can't give dochacha because I'm not such a tzaddik myself. That's, uh, that's a, mamish ridiculous. The Torah is talking to all Yidin. Says, ochei tochiach. So if nobody had a chiv because no one's a tzaddik, so who's the Torah talking to when it says a chiv? I, I will agree that if you have the biggest talker in shul, he shouldn't be the guy shushing everybody because it's not going to work. If, if you're particularly bad at something, then, then you shouldn't be the guy. So get somebody else. But if you're not perfect, that's great because then you go over to the guy and say, by the way, I struggle with this also. I'm not firmer than thou. And I didn't know even a white lie if it's necessary. I didn't know this thing was also until 10 minutes ago. So I want to share it with you. There's a nice way to do this without hitting him over the head. And then you tell them that, uh, let's work on this together. That can work. It might work. Chavaz Chaim says, might is good enough. And you ask around when you leave here today, take a poll of Mincha Marev, and you will hear first, Mutu Shushegin. Then you'll hear that I'm not good at this, and I'm not a tzaddik, and I can't give to a chacham. And then you'll hear that 
They'll quote if they're really learned, really learned Amaretz, that is. They'll quote the Chaznish. The Chaznish says they don't know how to give to Chacha today. Chazni said that in the context when you have a fry yid and it's a nishba, so he still didn't have a tinnish nishba, even if he told him something because he didn't learn and maybe we're not doing it right. Chazni didn't erase a pasuk in Chumash. Part of the Avedis Hashem, a big part, is not only engaging in a difficult avoid and going through the Amelis and trying to fix things, even though you have to know full well it might not work and it might not work now and it might be years till it works. Part of that amelis is understanding the Yuvan Achrayis everybody else as well, and they need help. When you give them help, they'll get help and you'll get chizik. Whether you're trying to marry them off, whether you're trying to increase their learning, whether you're trying to help their davening, increase their stock or whatever it is. And also know ahead of time there will be people who will be obnoxious, unforgiving, and have tainas. And if you're doing the right thing and you really feel bad for them and you really need to help them, ignore it and just go weiter. And that's a very difficult, remember one of the uh, first things, uh, my father was a, he, I would say was a master mechana, but he still is, he's still trying to be mechana me. It's, it might start to work. And my uh, mitzvah parsha happens to be parsha v'yishlach. And katanti is in the first aliyah. No? So how do you learn katanti? Any balkari here? Yeah, so a popular way is that. And what's the right way? I don't want to say. <laughs> a, a, that's also right, and you can defend both, but the, the, uh, the newer Hamashim are printing a Ravi. I'll uh, Pshat, the Trump is supposed to match with the Pshat, Katanti is going down. should be a Ravi. You need a Hezbollah, why it's going up. I have, I have a Pshat, but not for now. But uh, I was told that um, when you lane, you should lane it with a Ravi, and there are going to be people screaming and yelling from the back. Just ignore them. <laughs> This is for a 13-year-old. It's a good lesson. First of all, you shouldn't scream and yell because you don't correct anybody on Trump anyway. But people like correcting. It makes them feel good. Uh, that's a small example. But you have to be mechanic your children as well to understand that you have to have a derech in life and you have to know what's right and wrong. And you also have to be willing to get some flack for doing the right thing, even if it's not so popular. If it's right and you have a psak, it should be done. Don't take this on yourself. And you've a mahalach how to do it. You've got to go do it and get it done. And if you're waiting to be popular with 99% of the people, you can't help somebody else, you can't help yourself, and leadership is legamri out of the question. Chavaz Chaim knew this, which is why he's saying and repeating three times in one paragraph that you've got to try, even if it's not always appreciated. We're almost out of time, so I'm going to have to skip some crucial mamre kaimis if somebody can remind me on Memorial Day uh, to uh, pick up on it. It's a lepeta burger. Piyitzak, it's in the Gedele, Bali, and Musser. See, he has a tight chin benching. Why do we say, Mikal Tuv, the Elamaya Chasreni? We ask Hashem, we're asking for all the tafers, and then we add, Mikal Tuv, the Elamaya Chasreni. We say this every day. What are we asking for? What's the last phrase? So he quotes the Gemara Sanhedrin and Kuf Aleph. The Gemara, again, this Gemara is part of Tzadik Ra'alavash with Tevlois. Don't get, people get very nervous when they hear this Gemara. So the Gemara needs Hezbollah why this particular Tana, this particular circumstance, but for our discussion, it's, it's an important Ma'amokam. Gemara says, Kishachala Rabbelezer Nechaset Hamidah Levakroi. Rabbelezer Gadol. 
Rabbi Kiva came in, and he was a mess, very sick, and it was a tragic sight. Rabbi Kiva was smiling, this Rabbi Kiva Lushitosom, Marmakis, when they went on Harabayas, everybody was crying and he was smiling. So Rabbi Kiva had always a very fascinating view of things, almost counterintuitive. Why are you smiling? Amalai Kalzman Sha'ani Roya Rabbi Sha'ain Yaina Machmitz. All the years I see that you had success in everything, Alamazer, Yeruchnius, and your wine never turned to Chaimitz, never turned to vinegar. Ain't Pishtanaloka, all your operations, all your businesses, everything's running wonderfully well. Amarti, so I said to myself, Shema Kibo Rebbe Aloma, I was nervous that maybe you got all your Olam Habo, which we don't want. Now that I see that there's Yisurim and that there are things that are really not easy to handle, I have an Ochama that whatever it was, getting paid back, and you're going to get even a bigger share in Olam Habo. Again, there are people who have shtei shochonus, there are people who don't, there are people who have half. It's not our business to be able to figure out why some have these kalim and others have other kalim. What's crucial to remember is that we're getting schar for one thing, following directions, that's chumish, shochon and yorabeim. And once you have those directions, focusing on them and not letting up, despite the amelus, despite the flak, and despite the hardship, and the quicker we teach this to our children, the grandchildren, I had a conversation this week with a bocher. I have this conversation every week with bocher and with adults. I'm dealing mostly with men, but I've had it with women who are struggling with their areas of ruchnius as well. And the bocher tells me that he thinks uh, learning is not for him. Well, not, it wasn't a discussion whether he's learning in Kabul 10 years afterwards, going into Klikaydish. That wasn't a discussion. He's all of, I don't know, what is it, 17 years old. Not for him. Why? He has not yet seen that he's able to learn the entire Seder. That's three Siddharma, they have 12 hours. It's not so easy for him to learn 12 hours straight. So it must be the whole thing is not for him. So that sounds funny to us, but coming from a Bachar, who this is his whole life, he's in the case of the base Medrash, he said, I'm already in second year base Medrash. Why doesn't this go easy? The answer is, Hashem loves you and has Rachmanus on you. You get more skar when it doesn't go easy. If it does go easy, take it and run. And just learn more. But if it doesn't go easy, that's a simon that Hashem loves your avodah and He wants to see even more amelus. And that's true in learning. And that's true in concentrating and davening. And that's, that's true in writing big checks. That's true in helping people. If it goes too easy, Rabbi Kiva says, you almost have to look around and say, what did I miss? And that madrega, as Abdes Lewis describes, is supposed to go higher and higher as you continue in life, continue in your marriage. You're supposed to be growing. And there's no right and wrong. It depends where you're holding and what you're pushing. I remember if I told over this mice, and I'll close with this, I was by Rab Chaim quite a few times. Last time I was there, about a year and a half ago, I saw something I never saw before in my life. I know the layout of the apartment very well. Spent time with the rabbits in the kitchen and the anteroom. Anybody has been there. The room inside and the bedroom is to the left. And I came in and the guy said, uh, just wait, wait in the bedroom if you can. They didn't know who I am, but I had an appointment. They wait in the bedroom, so that, that was so far so good. That was common. And I'm in the bedroom, and um, I walk in, and i looking ahead. Everything's fine. And then I turn to my left, and I see somebody's in the bed. I look. I say, yo, it looks like I'm a chayim. 
I turned to the Gabai. Quickly, I left. I thought I went to the wrong room, but I didn't think there was another room. And I asked him, I said, I uh, think somebody's sleeping in there. He said, yeah, the Rav is in there. That's why I told you to go in. I said, he's sleeping. He said, not really. I said, okay, I can really come back at different times. He said, no, 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 no. The Rav wants to see you now. Go in. I never, it was, it was surreal, the whole situation. His eyes were closed, and he was trying to take a rest. And I'm standing there, and I was frozen. I didn't know what to do. I started talking. That's the guy, I said, Zog! I said, now? He said, yeah, yeah, hurry up. Like he was getting impatient with me already. So I had a whole list of things to discuss. I started discussing them. And Chaim, with his eyes closed, half asleep, three quarters asleep, whatever. I don't know what the exact situation was. He didn't open his eyes the entire time. Uh, discussed it. There was a masa mata, and he answered every single question. And then some. I was there for a good 12, 13 minutes. And each time I wanted to ask another question, I asked the guy, I said, I can really leave now. He said, no, 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 you just came. I got off the plane. And he said, just keep, keep talking till I say stop. And then I finished, and um, I left. I walked out. I was, besides the Pella that uh, he was quoting Yushamli's and uh, things like that, you know, in his sleep, but okay. And it was a discussion. So he was not in his sleep. He was in his name. Okay. But the biggest pellet to me was, where does it say anywhere in Shulchan Aruch or any Musa Sefer that when you're so exhausted you have to lie down for a half hour, you're still mechuyiv to do Kabbalah's kohol, you're still mechuyiv to answer Shailuz. Where does it say that? The answer is it doesn't say it anywhere. Abchayim understands that perhaps when he got married he was sleeping five hours a night, but as he grew that he sleeps four and three, this is not for the faith of heart. But he understood that if he is a manig and he's able to have these kalim, he has an achrayis. So we would say the achrayis is, yeah, I give X amount of time for people and I learn 17 hours a day. I don't have to be talking to people when I'm half asleep. Abchayim obviously held not so. He held that as long as I am still alive and healthy enough and my head is there to be able to answer shaylas, to be able to help people. I'm achieved to do that if it's actually the kind of name of Nishmartim and he held, or his doctor told him, as long as your eyes are closed and you're resting, you're not moving, you have at least a 15 minute break. The fact that your brain Baruch Hashem is still working as well and your lips can move a little bit, then that's fine. It was, I don't even remember as much the discussion of what we were talking about as the Rosh had made on me. It's a big achrayis. That means whatever you think you're doing, if it's now a new year or a new month and you're older, you have to look, well, that's what I did last year. Maybe I'm supposed to be continually raising the bar. Is it difficult? Yes. Is there amelis? Yes. If you're 17 years old and you're in yeshiva or you're 27 and 37 and you still find it difficult to concentrate for an hour shir or two hour shir, you find it difficult, that's gavaldic because you get triple the schar. And got to remember that you're here for the Amelis in any area of Avaris Hashem. The harder it is, the better it is for your Olam Haba. And it happens to be, as we know from Yaakovino and Asa's Taina, it's good for your Olam Hazeh also. You'll be a happier person by Olam Hazeh. It's Hashem. We should take the Amelis for ourselves, for our families, and reach out to others despite the discomfort and help them as well. With that, we'll be to the Gula Shleimah.